God, we ask as we um, turn our attention to your word that um, you would teach us and build us and shape us by your word. Uh, God, I pray that you um, might use every word that's kind of come from my mouth that is in agreement with your spirit, that you would uh, use that to uh, change and uh, shape us and grow us. I pray, God, if there's any words that are not of you, that they would be quickly forgotten. And so, God, I, I thank you that you are a God who speaks, um, but I know, God, sometimes we have a hard time listening, so would you give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we are continuing along in our series through the book of Ephesians, and uh, again, we've entitled this whole series that uh, we're, off the Scotiabank ad, uh, we're richer than we think, not necessarily financially, but uh, spiritually, for uh, the opening uh, chapter of the book of Ephesians is that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. If we just understand uh, how blessed we are in Jesus, and that's what this book all unravels. And uh, we're going to continue on with a similar theme as last week. This is Paul's prayer as he's praying for these people that their eyes would be open to see just how glorious Jesus is. And, uh, and, and in the end, he is the leader that we need. And, and uh, a lot of times we get pretty fascinated or pretty excited or pretty hopeful around leaders. Like we're always looking for the you know, if we just get the right government in place, you know, maybe things will happen. Or if we just get the right church leader, or if we just get the right leader for my business, or if I could just lead my life right. I mean, sometimes we place a lot of hope in leadership. And leadership is a good thing, and it's an important thing, but uh, all human leaders fail. Uh, leaders don't know everything. Uh, leaders don't have all the wisdom. They don't know what's coming in the future. The, uh, every leader is sinful and can make the wrong decision. But there is one leader who is perfect. And his name is Jesus. And he is a leader that knows all things. Uh, in him is housed all the wisdom in the universe. I mean, you need to make a decision in life. Sure, we can ask this leader or that leader for advice. You can come to me and say, what do you think, Jesse? But I tell you, there's one leader who absolutely knows, knows what is right, and that is Jesus. There's a leader who knows what's coming down the pipe for you tomorrow. Uh, there's a leader who is there for you, and this is Jesus. And this is how our passage opens today, just speaking about the magnificence of, of Jesus. That is, God raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. That there, this Jesus is, is above all. It says he's far above any other power, any other leader, any other name that is invoked, whether in this age or in the age to come. That there is no one who is greater and bigger and more sovereign and powerful than Jesus. And there are so many passages in the Bible that speak to this. And Colossians 1 is a beautiful passage. It says, the Son, that is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. I mean, you want to know what God is like? You look at Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. It doesn't mean he was actually, like, uh, born one time. I mean, he was as a baby, but it means preeminent in rank in biblical terms. 
For in him all things were created, things in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. This is how big Jesus is. That all things, everything, that the universe was brought into place through the power of Jesus. Now, how would you like to have that kind of person along with you? I mean, that's the kind of leader we're talking about. And it says that all things are not only created through him, but for him. And that includes us. That we are actually created for Jesus. We were created to be in a relationship with Jesus. And this is why life never fully makes sense outside of Jesus. That there is always this emptiness, there's always this void, there's always this, there must be something bigger and greater. There's something you're trying to find to satisfy your life. You can never find it because it's, his name is Jesus. And our life only works when we are surrendered to Jesus. Because that's what we were created for. I mean, I, I could take this microphone and I could start using it as a hammer. You know, the mic would break because that's not what it was created for. It was created to be sung into. And that mic works best when it's sung into. And you and I work best when we're walking with Jesus. Because that's how we were created for him. And then it goes on and says, He is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything we might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. That all the fullness of God is found in Jesus. Uh, this is the Jesus we're talking about. We're not talking about some, you know, just some simple guy who walked this earth and was a good teacher. I mean, he created all things. He is above all things. There is no other name that is higher than the name of Jesus. And Revelation 19 calls him the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And, and Revelation 17 says, they, that is those who are, are fighting against God, will war, wage war against the Lamb. That's Jesus. But the Lamb will triumph over them because He is Lord of lords and King of kings. In other words, there's nothing bigger or stronger than Jesus. And sometimes this can actually make us a little uncomfortable because I mean, whenever we tend to think, at least when I think of someone who has all power, I mean, it makes me a little bit nervous, as the good old quote from Lord Action says, power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Like, when we think about people who are all powerful, like, like a Hitler, or these people who had lots of power, it just goes bad. You know, when a government has absolute power, it just goes bad. When a church leader has absolute power, it just goes usually bad. And so, God is all powerful, is it going to go bad? No, because God has no sin in him, and he is perfect. In fact, this Jesus, who is all-powerful, at the same time is actually the very definition of love. In 1 John uh, 3.16, it says, this is how we know what love is. I mean, how do we know what love is? There's a whole bunch of definitions. So what the Bible says is because Jesus Christ, this one who had ultimate power, laid down his life for us. In other words, this Jesus who is more supreme and powerful than any other thing out there, he's actually the most loving being in this universe. And it's scary to think about someone who is all-powerful yet not loving. I mean, because, uh, I mean, it just goes bad. Or it's not so comforting. If someone's all-loving but has no power to do anything, that's not good either. He's the, the perfect combination of, of power and love. And this is our Jesus that we serve and, and, and love. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And it's really important 
that we understand this. And a lot of theologians these days are talking about sort of the missing piece of sort of the evangelical gospel. And that is for a lot of times, you know, our gospel is just kind of, hey, you know, Jesus wants to forgive all your sins. And if you just ask him to forgive your sins, you're going to go to heaven. And, and that's kind of the, the fullness of sometimes the gospel that we say. But it is much more than that. In fact, the gospel that Jesus preached was all about the kingdom. Uh, it was mostly about the kingdom, and where there's a kingdom, there is a king, and to think about the gospel without a king is just not full. This idea that I'm forgiven and going to heaven, but I can do whatever I want, is just, it's not a full gospel, because part of the gospel is to see Jesus as a loving, good, and all-powerful king. In fact, according to the salvation prayer, if you will, of Romans 10, uh, it includes this. It says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that is King, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, we must see and understand that we are a part of the kingdom, and there is a king. And it's not a king that we need to be afraid of, because perfect love casts out all fear. We know that he loves us and is for us, as we, that song we sang. And I hope that you are here forgiven in Jesus. And I hope that you do have the hope of the new heavens and the new earth. But I hope you're walking with the reality that there is a king who's not just over your Sunday, but your Monday and your Tuesday and your Wednesday and your Thursday. That he is king when you wake up and he's king when you uh, go to work and he is king over every word that should be coming out of your mouth and every thought that you think that there is this good and amazing king out there who loves you so much but we need to be walking in his kingdom. And that is a more full picture of the gospel. But what this really means for us is that there is someone who is bigger than any problem that we face. I mean, if he is far above, not just a little bit above, he says far above everything in this universe, then he is far above your issues. He is far above your problems. He is far above your struggles. And if you just sit down sometime and you just talk to people, you realize that, hey, I'm not the only one who has issues in my life. That, that we all have our struggles. We all have our problems. We all have our things we're working through. And there's someone who is bigger than that. In fact, he is so big that the, the constant call of the Bible is Jesus is saying, hey, bring your problems to me. Bring them to me. I mean, I'm not, I don't like, I'm not like that. I mean, I got enough problems of my own sometimes. I was like, I don't know if I want anybody else's problems. Like, I can only hold so much. But Jesus is so strong. He's like, I got a whole warehouse. You can just dump your problems in because I got lots of room. I got lots of strength. I mean, have you been giving Jesus your problems? Or have you just been trying to solve them yourself? I mean, the call is, like in 1 Peter, he says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And sometimes I'm like, well, I just want to keep a little bit because I need to be able to deal with it. And he's like, cast it all. He can handle it. Uh, he knows your needs, whether it be spiritual or emotional or financial. I mean, that's not too big for God. Cast it all. Trust him as king. Or Matthew 11, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And, and some of us come today with big backpacks, camping packs full of junk that is just weighing you down. And Jesus is saying, I'll take that. I'm far above all rule and authority. I'm stronger than anything. That I can handle that. Just, just drop it off. Just trust me as king. Or Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation... 
by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Again, just don't be anxious. Give it to me. Give it to me. And it is really difficult to do that sometimes. Because sometimes we don't really fully trust him as king. We don't fully trust him as at Lord. Like, yeah, I guess I got to handle this on my own because obviously you're not coming through. Well, maybe he just hasn't come through yet. Right? There is someone bigger than your problems. And we need to always walk in this life to make sure that our view of God is far bigger than any problem we face. The moment our troubles or our problems get bigger in God, that's when we get filled with anxiety and we start freaking out and, you know, things don't go well. There is someone who is bigger than your problems, and his name is Jesus, and he loves you. And because I love my family, I try to be there for them, because Jesus loves you. Uh, he knows about your issues. He knows about your problems. And he said, hey, just bring them to me. I might not solve them maybe the way you want me to necessarily, but, but I'm the king. I, I know best, and I'm for you, not against you. And so God raised Christ from the dead. And it says he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, where he's far above all rule. So Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father in these heavenly realms. We talked a little bit about this, but don't necessarily think about two thrones when you picture this. You know, there's God the Father and there's, there's Jesus. I mean, the Bible says God is spirit. He's not sitting on a throne. He is, he is everywhere in his fullness at, at all times, at every place. But the idea is, I mean, in the ancient world, it would be like there's a big king sitting here, and he invites someone to come sit with him on the throne. He is giving this person a position of very high status and saying, this person is ruling with me. And Jesus is seated at the right hand in the heavenly realms. In the spiritual world, Jesus is there. But it is so interesting what chapter 2 goes on to say. It says that God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. That, that we are actually seated with Jesus in the heavenly realms. And where is Jesus? He's at the right hand of the Father. And that's just crazy talk, right? Because I'm here. I'm not there. But, uh, I mean, th 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 there's this part of us that even though we're here, because there's a whole spiritual world we can't see, and in this world we cannot see, there is a, a part of us that is seated with Christ in this place of power and authority. And sometimes when you are freaking out and things are going well, you just got to stop and think about where you really are, because actually we're probably more there than here. That right now, no matter what you're going through in this life, you are seated with Christ at the right hand of the Father, and he has all this authority, and you're there with them. Now, there has been uh, a little bit of talk as I've been going through this series on identity about saying, like, you know, Jesus, or Jesse, you're raising us to too high of a status. Well, it's not me who has raised people to too high. It's Jesus who has raised us up. But notice what this text goes on to say. That God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order. Now, here's why he's done it. That in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. He invites us up there to say, this is how good I am. And it shouldn't cause us to become proud, but it causes us to become more humble. And say, Jesus, you are so 
amazing that when we don't deserve it, you seat us at the right hand with you in the heavenly world. What a privilege. And that should just cause us to fall at our feet more and to love him because he is so incredible and so amazing. So don't ever let this come out of your mind. You're seated with God, with Jesus, in the heavenly realms at this moment. And then it says, God placed all things under his feet and pointed him to be head over everything for the church. And so Jesus is not just, you know, above all things in this universe, but he is to be the head as the leader of the church. Now, quickly on the church, what is the church? It's not a building. Even though I use it all the time, I say, I'll say, you know, we're, we're going to, to the Junction Church. It usually means I'm going to the building. And I'll say to my kids or my wife, hey, I'm, I'm going to be going to the church this morning. And I'm the only one here. Actually, that's not the church if I'm by myself. Because the church is when we're gathered together. The very word church means called out ones or a, an assembly of followers of Jesus. And so make sure you don't think about church as a building. It, 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 it's us. Uh... The church is basically this, a community of all true believers for all, all time. And, and biblically, we talk about the universal church. That's all of God's people in all times and places. That is, uh, the universal church is, is every Christian who loves Jesus. It's part of the universal church. And it, we see that sense in the Bible in Ephesians 5. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up her and we're going to be talking about that when we get to Ephesians 5 but notice uh, Christ died for the church it says it's not just us here not just this little church but the church the capital T church every Christian who has ever lived is part of the universal church but then we see in the Bible the sense of a local church that is smaller gatherings of the universal church and that's us we would be called a local church that whenever we get together this is the local church and we see Instances of this, like in 1 Corinthians, Aquila and Priscilla together with the church in their house. I mean, the whole universal church was not in the house, just, just a few of them. Or Romans 16, all the churches, plural. So all these little local churches of Christ Jesus greet you. And so, so we're a local church. And everyone who is a follower of Christ is to be connected in with a local church. Uh, I mean, the idea of, at least New Testament-wise, of a follower of Jesus not connected to a local church is, is just completely foreign to the New Testament. Uh, all the language of the New Testament is, is plural language. I mean, often we kind of see this speaking to me, but it's actually speaking to the church. And it is incredibly important that you are connected in with a local church. And I'm glad to have you here today. Now, being a part of a local church isn't easy. Uh, I mean, you just look at you take a husband and wife. I mean, is, is a marriage always easy? No, sometimes it gets messy. You add some kids in there, especially a teenager or two. I mean, it gets more messy. And then, I mean, you have your, your family reunions, and it gets really messy. But, I mean, we're a family here. And we got probably, I don't know, like 150 people that would call this church their home. That's a, that's a big family. And so you bet you sometimes church gets messy. Sometimes people are going to tick you off and rub you the wrong way, but, but we love each other in Jesus. Uh, his grace is to be higher than that as we kind of work in this thing. And I hope that all of you are connected to a local church because that is uh, biblical Christianity. Now, Jesus, it says, is to be the head over everything for the church. And, and it's good to always see Jesus as the senior pastor of the church. 
I hope you never look at me as the senior pastor of this church because I'm not the head of this church. Jesus is. Now, I play a big role here along with elders. Like all of us are, are royal priests. We all play a big role in this church. But there is only one head, one senior pastor, and his name is Jesus. And we see that throughout the New Testament. Ephesians 5, Christ is the head of the church. Colossians 1, he is the head of the body, the church. 1 Peter 5, 4, it says, when the chief shepherd appears, he's talking to, to elders and pastors, shepherds, but then he says, the chief shepherd. In other words, he's the senior pastor. I mean, things we do here need to go by a senior pastor. Uh, we always going to be checking in with the senior pastor. I mean, it's very easy to, to be a church where we push Jesus out of senior pastor position, and we invite other things in. And sometimes here are some of the things that we can uh, sort of have in place as the senior pastor of a church or a false head of the church. And a lot of times every church says, of course Jesus is senior pastor, until he begins speaking. And all of a sudden they say, well, we've always done things this way, right? Uh, we can't change this because, you know... Uh, We've just done this for the last 10 years, and this might offend so-and-so if we go this way. I mean, tradition has its place, but tradition cannot be the senior pastor. Jesus has to be. And if Jesus is leading this church somewhere, and it starts to rub up against some tradition we've had for, I mean, it's going to be our 10th anniversary coming up in two weeks. If it starts rubbing up against our tradition, then we need to dump our tradition. Uh, tradition cannot be, though it's important, the head of the church. Another thing could be personality. Uh, some churches are personality-driven, where it's just all about the personality or the, the pastor because he's so amazing. And when the pastor leaves or he runs into some failing or something, then the whole church falls apart because it was built around the personality rather than around Jesus. Uh, finances be can become the senior pastor. Jesus begins to speak to the church and, hey, you need to step out in this area. And then we all say, we don't have enough money. So, yeah, you're calling us to this, Jesus, but actually there's something more important than your call. And that is our money. We don't have enough. We can't do it. Or uh, Jesus says, hey, I want you to move in this area. Well, actually, we had that money. We're going to use it over here. I mean, money can become the leader of the church and so can comfort. Especially for us as Western Christians, because we love, it's all of us in Western, like Western world, we love comfort. I mean, it's an idol that is so ingrained in our hearts that we don't even realize it sometimes. That we love our comfort, and sometimes Jesus makes us uncomfortable. I mean, sometimes he'll say, hey, go talk to so-and-so. Oh, that would just make me really uncomfortable. I can't, you know. Uh, Jesus will lead a church and say, hey, you got to reach out to these people. And they're like, oh, that just makes you really uncomfortable. Sometimes, like the early uh, New Testament, uh, Jesus began to bring Gentiles into the church. Oh, that made some people really uncomfortable, all right? And, and sometimes Jesus will bring people into this church that are di different kind of way of life or different thinking or different background, and it makes us uncomfortable. But may we never say, because that makes me uncomfortable, you know, I just, we just can't go there. Jesus sometimes will make us uncomfortable. Again, it goes back to Jesus. And by the way, all of these things are the same thing in our own life because we personally need to make sure Jesus is the king of our life, not tradition, not personality or finances or comfort because some of those own things that we're not willing to do or step out because we have something that is actually bigger than Jesus in our life, namely an idol. Now when Jesus is the senior pastor, only good things can happen because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. When Jesus is in charge and he's a senior pastor, he says, I'm going to build the church. 
and even the gates of hell, the worst attacks, the enemy cannot stop the advancing church. And all throughout history, it's a fascinating read. If you ever take a course on church history or read church history to see how many times throughout history people have tried to wipe out the church. And it keeps growing and it keeps moving. I mean, the church in places of the world is exploding. Now, there's a lot of churches in North America closing down because in the book of Revelation, Jesus says, sometimes I'll shut down a church if it's not no longer about me. But, I mean, the church has a hopeful, hopeful future. Now, an effective and powerful church begins in each one of us. And this just goes back to, yes, Jesus is the senior pastor of the church, but he also must be your senior pastor, your king. I mean, the effectiveness and the power of this church it's not all up to me. It's not all up to our leaders, though we play a really important role. It's up to Jesus as a senior pastor working through all of us. And this church is only as strong as all of us put together. I mean, what happens if all of you decided, you know, I'm too busy, I'm not coming to church today. I'd be talking to myself. And maybe we get one newcomer and they're going to like, this church sucks because nobody's there. It's just some talking head. I mean, I mean, the church is only as strong as all of us put together. And it's really important that, that we be involved in a local church, again, as it says in, in the scriptures. In fact, we're actually called the body. In the inner text, it says that he is head over everything for the church, which is his body. And we're actually the body of Christ. First uh, Corinthians 12 says, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Not just that person, you know, hey, he's part of the body of Christ, but I'm no good. I can't do anything, so I'm not a part of the body. You are a part of the body of Christ. And you know, every piece of my body is super important. I mean, uh, I tore a ligament in my knee in February, and man, it just my body didn't work so good for a long time. Still not working perfect because of one ligament. That's how important each and every one of you are to the church. I mean, that if you just start to check out and you're not seeing Jesus no longer as king and you're not actively enlisting Jesus, what are you calling me to do in this place? Who are you calling me to encourage? Who are you calling me to love? How are you want me involved in this community? I mean, it just makes the body of Christ suffer. And some people get very upset. Why isn't the church doing anything? And it always goes back to, am I doing anything? I mean, revival always begins in our own personal hearts because we are the body of Christ and in fact, the next uh, chapter in Ephesians says that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that he actually created you to serve as a member of the church. Doesn't mean you always have to be doing stuff here on Sunday, because the church is a lot more than Sunday morning. And I hope you realize that, because sometimes people, again, get frustrated with the church because not a lot happens on Sunday morning. The church is a lot more than Sunday morning. Because we gather here and we celebrate together, but then we scatter. And people have all their little different ministries and people they're serving in the community and, and big ministries, small ministries, and there's small groups that happen during the week. But, but I mean, he's calling us to be living and in, in part of his body, which it says his body, uh, that he is to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. That the church is the fullness of Jesus, it says. Now, we know it also said that Jesus is the fullness uh, of the universe. He is bigger than everything, but he is the fullness of the church. And this is kind of a complicated verse if you read any commentaries, lots of different opinions. But part of the idea here is that church should shine or represent Christ. That someone should be able to walk in here and get a little bit of a glimpse of what the kingdom is like. 
They should be, get a glimpse of his fullness. Uh, they should be able to walk and say, you know, I think this is a little bit of what Jesus is like. I think it's a little bit what the kingdom is like. And that is that they should feel loved. And, and, uh, and it should be see, they, we, I'm always praying for more power. It would be great to see more answered prayer. We see some, but we want to see, see more. But what they should not see is judgment. And the number one reason people give for not becoming a part of the church or leaving the church is because they think it's judgmental. I mean, the very thing that Jesus sent to reveal the fullness of him often becomes the biggest, biggest hindrance <laughs> towards people coming to him. And sometimes, again, churches can be messy, but I mean, the very people that should feel welcome in church sometimes are felt, are, sometimes we push away. I mean, you look at Jesus' ministry, it was the tax collectors and sinners who felt, who were flocking to Jesus. They didn't feel judged by him because they knew he was going to love them and, and work on changing their lives. And it's the same way people should feel when they come in here. They get a little bit of glimpse of the kingdom, a little bit of glimpse of Jesus. And because each of us make a part of the church, that when people hang around you, they should say, you know what? They see a little bit of Jesus in you. They should see a little bit of the kingdom in you. That if you own a business, you should see a little bit of the kingdom at work in your business. As, as you're talking to people throughout the week, they should see a little bit of, the, of his fullness in your life. And do they? Do they see Jesus in you? I mean, could you imagine what this church would be like if all this, we just said we're going to take this seriously? And I'm just going to walk as if Jesus really is my king. And I'm going to participate in the body of Christ. I'm going to find my gift, and whether it's here serving or just out in the community, I'm just going to listen for the call of Jesus because he's going to be my senior pastor. And I'm going to really work at just revealing the kingdom, revealing Jesus wherever I go. Could you imagine what could happen in this community? That's what Jesus is calling us towards, that we would be people who just ooze Jesus and ooze the kingdom. And it's really, really important. As Matthew said, that we are the light of the world and that we are to let our light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And this is to be the church, which is the body, the fullness of him, that we are to be so full of Jesus that we shine and that people walk in here and get a little bit of a glimpse. And I don't know if we always do that very well. And then we've got to talk to people who show up and say, you know, do we? I don't know. But we just, we've got to keep growing in this. And we become more and more like Jesus. And we're going to finish our service today by coming to this table. Because this table is all about Jesus. If you don't know what this is, you're like, what in the world is this? Uh, Jesus, on the night he was betrayed before he was crucified, he, he got all his disciples together. And he took some bread and he took some wine. It was just grape juice. He took some wine. Maybe we should have a little wine section, though, but it's just grape juice. Uh, he took bread and, and wine, and he said, take this in remembrance of me. He said, take the bread and remember me. Take the cup of wine and drink it and remember me. And this is what we do. We come to this table, and we take the bread, and we remember as we chew on that piece of bread that he broke his body on the cross that we might have life. And we come and we drink this cup and remember his shed blood for us and how it has given us life and freedom and grace. But you know a big part of communion is also the church? Uh, it talks about how each of these little pieces make up one loaf in, in the book of Corinthians. And that as you take a little piece of bread, all these other people take a little piece of bread and together it makes up one loaf. And again, it's a celebration that we're in this together. 
And so as you come up, don't be afraid to look at someone in the eye or smile at them because this is not just you and Jesus. This is us and Jesus and, and us together as we come to this table. And so we're going to have a song playing in the background. And, uh, and if you love Jesus, you're welcome to come up here and, uh, and take the bread and, and take the cup and uh, just to remember him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus. And we thank you that there is no one more powerful than Jesus. And we thank you that he loves us. And we thank you that he is, is offering for us to cast our burdens on him. And so right now, in Jesus' name, we take our anxiety and our struggles and our issues this week and we lay them at your feet. And we ask that you'd fill our hearts with peace and with trust. And as we come to this table, we pray, God, that, again, that you just allow those anxieties to, to fall on the feet of your son, Jesus, in his forgiveness. And God, as we come, I pray that you would remind us that you are the good king who is for us and not against us. And I pray you would draw us close to you. We love you. We thank you. And as we come to this table, we remember you. And we remember our brothers and sisters who are in this together. In Jesus' name.